Well, please open your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you're using one of the Bibles in the seats there, I believe it's page 986, page 986. So grateful for Pastor Cody last week uh, being here and uh, bringing God's word last Sunday, and I'm sorry, but I'm back. Um, So just grateful for him. What an amazing team. We actually had a number of us, uh, Pastor Rick and Pastor Eric, Pastor Cody, Pastor Nate, myself, uh, Friday drove out to uh, Naperville, Ohio, or not Ohio, Naperville, uh, Illinois. I'm sorry, Dapper. I don't even know where I'm at right now. Maybe that's the lesson here. <laughs> and uh, just for ordination out there, we're looking to get uh, Nate and Eric and Cody through a process here, start a process to ordination here in a while. And so we were out there and got back last evening. And uh, so if things don't make sense today, uh, I'm going to go ahead and grab that excuse. But we're, here we are. Uh, we're walking our way through the Epistle of Thessalonians. If you're new here, so grateful for you joining with us. We are actually going to finish chapter one today. Um, that, that, that's a big deal. We're going to finish chapter one. Uh, just a little bit about uh, Thessalonians. Uh, the local church in Thessalonica is a young church. It uh, is a church that I'm calling is a church on the move. And I think today we're going to see more of that. Uh, They are living as a great team for the Lord. It is really a sweet uh, book letter to read, and we're walking our way through it. They are a joy to Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And um, seriously, we feel the same way about you um, with uh, this church, and we want to grow and be more like the team in Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonica. Well, they were a great team. And uh, let me begin by reading and kind of getting a sense of that. Let me go to chapter one. Let's read chapter one. Uh, You listen as I read aloud. Verse one, Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your laboring of love, and your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, we know, sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Lord, I just pray as we continue in this letter um, written some 2,000 years ago that we would just savor its practical reality and blessing today. 
God, thank you for God's people who are like this, who are pursuing after you out of love for you. A people with whom you have done a great work with. A people who Paul, Silas, and Timothy just stand back as they do ministry all over the area at that time and they stand back and they just go, the Lord's at work there. Father, I would pray more of that here in us. This is not for our glory. This is not for our thing. This is your thing. And we want to be increasingly a people about your thing. Right, church? We want that, Lord. So help us learn what it looks like to be that more and more. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, great teams are great imitators. Great teams are great imitators of great examples. Great teams are great imitators of great examples. You could also take that this way. Not so great teams are not so great imitators of examples. Uh, One of the things that stands out about this church is they are that. They are a great team of imitators of great examples. We're going to work that out and flesh that out here. We're in verses 6 through 10 to finish out the rest of this chapter. And uh, here we've seen in verse 3 that faith is being lived out in front of these people. They're a faith-living people. They're a love-laboring people. They're putting it out there. They're going for it. They're being it. Uh, They're hoping people. They're not hoping in their circumstances. They're hoping in the Lord Jesus Christ and who that he is. Verse 4, they We are told that they are a people that is loved by God. We are told that they are a people chosen by God. And and now verses 6 through 10 adds what Paul, Silas, and Timothy is communicating here. And and we're learning more about what it is about these people that not only confirm them as a chosen people, but confirm them as a chosen people that is really bringing a lot of glory and pleasure to the Lord. Uh, Let's pick up verse 6, and let me read that again. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Really interesting verse here. Two verbs are driving this verse here. How many verbs? Two. The first one is you became. You became. The second one in the middle of the verse is you received. Those are the two main verbs in in the verse here. And you became for you received. Now, if you're putting them in order on how they actually happen, it's it's assumed here you receive something then you become something okay so I want to follow it in that order here a bit so what is it that they are saying here is is highlighting them as such a unique on the move people and one of them here is you received for you received you received you received what what does the text tell us you received you tell me the word You receive the logos. You receive uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. You received what we brought to you, the word of what Jesus has done, the word that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus has come. God in the flesh has come to pay the price for sin, to rise from the dead, conquering death, and therefore making uh, forgiveness and redemption available to all who would receive. And they received that is what it's talking. They received that word, and this word received, he uses it over in chapter two, verse 12. You received, or you accepted the word of God. He uses it also in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, verse 10, actually saying those who did not receive the truth. 
Uh, so here it is that not only did they hear, in verse 5, he tells us, you heard the word, but he's continuing the line of thought. He's saying, not only did you hear the word, verse 5, but verse 6, you received the word. Those are two separate actions. And they are both very, very important. You, you, you hear and you receive. I just have a question. I think I can pause for a second and ask this question. Is, do you have such a story? of having heard the good news of Jesus Christ and receiving that. By the way, this is the first part. There's more to come. Uh, And receiving that, do you have such a story? And maybe it's literally for you because especially nowadays we're getting more and more to where there's actually a lot of confusion about what the gospel really is. And so I I, I want to say this. If truly, if in your mind right now, today, if you're the person that's like, you know what? I've heard lots of talk about Jesus Christ, but I'm not really sure I know what the Bible says about it all. I want to encourage you and call you. You need to hear that. And just grab someone and let's sit down and let's talk about and hear what it has to say. Because I think people are hearing, but they're not hearing with clarity. And if you're at a point where it's kind of confusing to you, man, someone here would love to talk with you and bring clarity to what it says. But, but there's hearing, and if that's you, you need to hear. And then also, there's, there's the receiving part in it, verse 6. Have you heard and then kind of left it in the unreceived bin in, in, in your uh, reality life? There's a receiving of that. We're going to find out more of what that is. For you received the word. What is the setting of the receiving? Well, it tells us here. For you received the word in much what? Affliction. I'm reading your standard version here. In much affliction. Uh, Those that heard and received Christ did so in a life setting of affliction. Actually, no, that's not right. Did so in a life setting of much affliction. In fact, that doesn't really quite hit the Greek well. It's actually, and you received the word in severe affliction is really the idea here. Oh, this is so contrary to what our culture is nowadays. Uh, Please hear what has to be said here. The culture in Thessalonica at that time was they had things moving. It was very much like America in a city of what was going on. The economy was moving, various kinds of things. But within their structure of it all, they had an emperor worship thing. And so they had a king. They had the emperor of Rome. And and so it was overseeing. And so they had this very fine balance of keeping this emperor pleasing thing, which actually was an emperor worship thing, which also in the whole movement of it all, they, they had this structure in it to where if they began tipping the scales in it, they would get... Uh, not loved by the governing structure. And if you rock the boat of the system, it wasn't like, you know what, you might not be favored for the next raise. It was like, you're out. And they were very aware of, don't rock the boat. Don't tip the scales here in Thessalonica because we got it leveled out just right. And much of that includes the glue that holds that together in that time was this whole polytheism thing. Everybody could believe any god they wanted and most of the trades had their own god. So like the carpenter trade, they would have their own god that they would worship. And if you went against that god, then you were out. And it just went on and on and on and on. 
And so what's going here in the affliction of it, think about it. When does a person in a, in, in, in a setting like that, when does a person experience affliction? Not when they're following the status quo. They experience affliction when they receive Christ. That's when it happens. They weren't receiving affliction before they knew Christ. Everything was smooth and fine. When they experienced affliction, it was when, if they received Christ. Oh, friends, this, this so is the opposite of how so often the gospel is presented today. The gospel is presented today like, you are in affliction? Come to Jesus and he will smooth it all out. I'm waiting for that boat. What is actually going on here is what they are saying is, is in much affliction, you came to Christ knowing that when you came to Christ, it meant affliction. In fact, coming to Christ for you meant severe affliction. Now who would like to come forward and receive Christ? But that was the reality. And when you look at this, you go, oh my word, they received the word guaranteeing affliction in their life. You received the word in much affliction. Secondly, which makes it make sense, you received with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Who, in their right mind, would hear the good news of Jesus Christ and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, knowing that by doing that, they could get fired, outcast, cut off, and shamed. Who in the right mind would do that? Someone where the Spirit of God is working in. That's what they're talking about here. This is not any kind of joy. This is not some feel-good joy. This is not, you know, I just feel joyous today. This is something far different. This is not a joy that is like wound up in you. This is not a positive thinking joy. This is a divine joy. This is a joy that you and I cannot source, cannot concoct. This is a joy that only God provides. The Spirit of God is the one who provides this joy. And that's why they stand back. They're no longer in Thessalonica. And the three of these boys stand back together having ministered there. And we'll learn more about the story of who they are as we go along. And they stand back and they go, you are such a blessing. Because as we look back, you heard the good news of Jesus Christ and you received the good news of Jesus Christ as your savior to redeem you out of your sin and you did that knowing that severe affliction was gonna be coming. I am telling you, that is so cool because only God could do that. That's the depth of joy that they see. This isn't just a horizontal thing. They are seeing a God at work in a people that only God could do, and they rejoice in that. For you received like that. Like that. First verb, you received. Second verb, you became. 
because it's not just about receiving. Their joy is about something more than that. It's something additional to that. And you became something. By the way, the way that it's referencing here, it's not that you become something instantly. This isn't microwave Christianity that they're referencing here. This is actually more like the idea of you became an adult. It takes time. You became skilled you, you, you became a, a thing as a dating couple. That just didn't happen overnight. That takes time and movement of that. Uh, you became a parent. You became a high schooler. You became a graduate. You, be, you, you, you became, you fill in the blank. Here's some others on, maybe on the not so good side. You became a fool. Uh, that's kind of the idea of become. It's not just jump there, but it's becoming that. Uh, you became bitter. Uh, here's one. Uh, you became old. I didn't get here overnight. (laughs) This didn't happen overnight. It became gray, okay? And Karen, we even tried the Grecian formula stuff for a little bit, Baghdad. (laughs) Fully committed to it now. (laughs) And you became, by the way, notice here, uh, two things that they became. Number one, you became imitators. You became imitators. Uh, the word actually in the Greek is what we get our word for mimickers. You became mimickers. Great teams are great imitators. Great teams are comprised of great players that are great imitators. Put to any sport. How do you become great at that sport? Some of it is natural ability, but it's those who again and again and again mimic, learn from, mimic the greatest ones. In all of that. Let's do this. I want to kind of put some fun with this and uh, uh, watch a video clip here in just a second about uh, I'll set this up. This is a little boy that is imitating, that is mimicking uh, Bruce Lee. Let's watch. <laughs> do it, boy. Surprise. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, man! Right? Hey, this is the point of the text. In fact, leave it right there if you can for a little bit, okay? Uh, Here's the point of the text. You became great imitators. You, you, You didn't have to learn it all yourself. You didn't have to figure it out all yourself. Just imitate. And that's one of the highlights of what's going on with the people in Thessalonica. One of the things that made them a great team was they had players that were doing this all through them. Okay, in fact, let me we can go ahead and go to the slide here on that, but let, let, let me just make this comment here. Uh, three things that that little boy was doing in his imitating. Uh, just slides, and then I'll come back to the next slide. Okay, let me, let me go here. So first was proximity. Proximity. Here, here he puts himself uh, with them. He puts himself in front of, of Bruce Lee, right? He didn't just read it in an email, but he puts himself there. Proximity, then frequency. 
He did it again and again and again and again. How did that little boy be able to get to do that when, he, when he's not even watching the TV screen? I don't think he did it just two times or three times or five times or ten times. Probably not even 20 times. That little guy probably did that like a hundred times, right? To be able to get there. I wonder how many injuries he re- received <laughs> in the process of it all. But he did it again and again. Proximity and frequency and then intentionality. I mean, what little kid just says, you know what? I want to watch this again. I want to learn this again. In fact, at what point in time does it turn where it's like, you know what? I want to learn his whole routine. That's the kind of thing within a person where you turn from it's just like, that's cool, to I want to be that and be able to do that, right? Okay? That's what was going on in Thessalonica. So now the question is in that is who were they imitators of? Because it wasn't Bruce Lee. The text tells us they were imitators of, number one, us, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And they're making that observation here. Here they are being imitators. They are being imitating mimickers of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We'll flesh more of that out as we move especially into chapter two with some things. But let me make a comment about these three here. Because there's a potential that a person could walk away thinking, oh, I get it, so everybody's supposed to look the same. Wrong. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are a team, and Paul, Silas, and Timothy are very different from each other. You just go back, and I'm not going to take the time, but you go back and know Paul's story, and you know Timothy's story, two very different dudes. Paul was just like bold. He was bold before he came to Christ. Driven, motivated. And then you come to Timothy, and you learn one of the things about Timothy is by nature he's timid. In fact, it holds Timothy back. And you have two very different guys. Silas is a different guy. Three different guys, three different ages, three different stories of coming to Christ. Timothy, mom and grandma, was the main influence in his life. Paul, uh, Jesus was. Just boom, showed up on the road to Damascus. Totally different stories. And yet in it, it's like you became imitators of us. Their ages are different. Their backgrounds are different. They're also further down the Christian life than all the people in Thessalonica. Why do we know that? Because they're the ones who came and shared the gospel with them. And so they were further down the road than that. Understand, this is not kind of the the Christian groupie thing that comes off sometimes with preachers or, 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 or authors or so forth. This isn't a, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, that kind of, it's not that. Uh, here in all this, they are purposely placing themselves around and learning from people that are further down the road than them. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily mean age. In their walk with Christ, they're further down the road with them. I'm so grateful for when we were in our 30s and uh, 30s, late 20s, 30s, and um, when uh, we had our son and daughter uh, very young, and, and we were at our church, we were going in a small church, and there were these two kids in this church that were right about 10 years, 10 years older than our kids, and uh, we're like, man, Sam. If our boy and our girl could turn out like those two kids, rock on. I didn't even know the parents. And so out of that, we were talking about that, and we're like, you know what? I don't know what's going on in that home, but I just know this. We don't know what's going on in ours, and we're trying to figure this out. 
And if they are further down the road than us, how about we like put ourselves around them? And by God's grace, we just put ourselves around Randy and Cindy. I'll tell you this, we never ever once, for me at least I know, never ever once had an organized Bible study time with them. Not that that's bad. I'm just telling you, it doesn't even have to be that. We just consistently, and I was in a place where I could go on trips with Randy. Randy was kind of pastor to pastors, and here I'm this lay business guy, and, and I'm going on trips with him, and I'm literally working his book table at places. I'll do anything. I'll be your chauffeur, which I was, driving to places and with him. I just want to be with you, hoping that somewhere I can, like, pull off of, just like, will you breathe on me? I don't know. That's creepy, but uh, it's just kind of, you know what I'm talking about. And by God's grace, and I'm not saying we're the perfect example in that, but I am telling you, I get so emotional about them. I would not, we would not be doing, from our view, what we were doing if it had not been for Randy and Cindy. Our kids would not be what our kids are from our human standpoint, had it not been for that opportunity of over years, of over some decade or so, of just hanging around this couple, it completely changed our lives. And that's what Paul is talking about here. People, more of that, more of that. And we live in a culture that doesn't do that. More of that. And you were imitators of us. And you were imitators, here's the kicker, of the Lord. See that? You see that in the text? Underline that one. By the way, have you thought of reading the Gospels in such a way that you read the Gospels to where as you read them, you are just watching Christ and how he interacts? I don't think we do that enough. By the way, that's a call out to the guys in the small group right now who are helping me in my project, right? We're doing that this week, right? By the way, if you forgot, yeah, you gotta go home and do some reading today then. In the gospel, and we're going through and we're reading through and we're asking the question, so what did Christ look like doing relationship with people? Not just what did he do. Guys have a tendency just to think, oh, he did that and he did that and he did that and he did that, kind of career thinking. Kind of to-do list thinking. No, no, he was in relationships with people. How did he do relationships with people? How did he come and intersect in with a Samaritan woman and be able to have a conversation with her in such a way that it was be able to take this to spiritual things to where he should not, as a rabbi, even have been talking to her? Uh, how is it that he, he is engaging not only with the, the Jewish leaders but also with the everyday people? And by the way, he engages very, very differently with both of them. When the scriptures talks about you became imitators of us and of the Lord, it's being able to look in life and have questions. It's like, hey, I got this going on in my life right now. I got this going on at work right now. I got this going on at school right now. I wonder what Jesus would do. And I'm not just saying write WWJD. I'm saying go to the scripture and take a look at how Jesus interacts in conflicts. How does he interact with different kinds of people? We need to be imitators of Christ, not just knowledge carriers, imitators, mimickers of. Team Thessalonica was a great team made up of great imitators of these great examples. And I just ask you, is that carrying out in your life? Are you 
placing yourself in proximity with others who are further down the Christian walk than you? Are you doing so frequently? This is one place, but this is not the only place. I'm talking about with people and doing so intentionally. A a verse that should call out a warning is Proverbs 18.1. Whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desire. They've broken out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates themselves seeks their own desire. They break out against all sound judgment. And that's why Paul is looking at the church at Thessalonica and going, I tell you, we are so pleased and so proud and so blessed of you because you are a people that are becoming, that not only did you receive the word, but you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I think more than any other church I've been in, there's a desire for this. And I want to let you know how thrilled and what a blessing that is for me personally. And yet, more, right? More of that. I think we can also grow in this. It's not a call to uniformity. We talked about in First Corinthians 12, it's a call to unified plurality. Different people learning from one another, growing with one another. That's a sweet thing. So what was the result of Team Thessalonica becoming great imitators of Paul, Silas, and Timothy and the Lord? Well, number two, not only did they become great imitators, but it ended up being that they became great examples. Look at verse seven, and the pace picks up here. Verse seven. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. I'm not going to bring up a map right now, but let me just tell you, that's a lot of territory, okay? You can go to the back of your Bible and take a look at what that is, but you became great examples. Great imitators eventually become great examples. You don't become a great example overnight. It takes time, and and you don't even sit here and go, I want to be a great example. It's driven out of the reality of I want to be a great imitator of. And what happens is when you are a great imitator of again and again and again, just wanting to grow in Christ with that, you then eventually, as time, you become a great example. And by the way, great example does not mean publicness. Great example, we'll let God take care of the breadth of that. But here, notice the breadth of this. The breadth of this is really big. The breadth of this, in fact, it says you have become, verse 7, you have become an interesting, you have become an example to all the believers in. Isn't that interesting, by the way? It doesn't say to all the unbelievers. Not that that's not the case. But Paul, Silas, and Timothy are are saying, listen, you have become great examples to all the believers in this territory. By the way, I I think, I'm going to be careful here, but I think as you carry it out, and if you understand the story of what's going on, the believers that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are referencing are people that have recently come to Christ. Recently come to Christ, in other words, they were unbelievers, and the testimony of the church in Thessalonica was part of the process of bringing unbelievers to become a believer. And so as they're talking about, you have become a testimony, you've become an example to all the believers in this whole territory. Why? Because they are living and loving one another unlike any other people. 
By the way, I will note this thoroughly. Look through the text. You will not find one program. I'm not anti-program, but I am a little bit out on them. Why? Because it confuses the core. And we're going to get there in chapter 2. Because it confuses the reality of the organic being people that are supposed to be God's people. And sometimes we organize it so much that we lose the heart core of what it is. This is what it is. I'm, I'm going there. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You want to know what ministry is? That's it. That's it. That is it. You mean just love people and share the word of God with one another and share our lives? That's it? That's it. No, but you got to have it organized. That's it. We Westerners outline way too much stuff and lose the simplicity. And you became great examples. Verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere else. If I remember right in my English understanding, which always isn't so great, I prefer to make up words. Um, Everywhere else is like a lot of places. Am I right? That's like a lot of places. Not only in Macedonia, Achaia, but like all over the place. In fact, so much so that look at the end of verse eight. So that we need not even to say anything. It's like they come into a place and it's like, let me give you an example. Hey, the, the, the God's people in Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica, yeah, we already know. No, let me tell you about it. No, you don't need to. We already know. No, seriously, let me outline it for you. No, we already got it. We already know who they are. Can I tell you this? Would it not be awesome to be a people like that? By the way, I want to humbly say thank you because God is doing work like that in some various ways. And this is in no way meant as a pat on our back, but it is a word of encouragement. I don't know why, but every time as we get involved, Indy West gets involved in some international ministry plans, they come back and they tell us, I'm just telling you, you guys are not like the rest. I don't get it. Can you explain that? I'm just telling you. You guys are not like the rest. When our ministry teams go overseas, they always come back. They just, they, you guys serve differently. You have a different attitude about it. You don't come with arrogance like you got it all figured out. You just come and do whatever you can. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. More of that, right? More of that. Well, let's speed it. Verse 8. How did they, how were they examples? They were examples as a sounding forth people. Notice there they sounded forth the word of the Lord. By the way, the word sounded forth or rang out of the word. It really has more of an idea of a thundering. It's not like they went around singing and dancing. 
It's not like they went out shouting arrogantly and rudely or in your face. It's talking this idea of there is a, you are a sounding forth people where the word of God is thundering from you. By the way, it's not that brashness thundering. It's also not the idea that, you know, my actions speak for me. Actions do speak, and they're supposed to be part of it. But listen, it's also the idea the actions are also containing the words. Because how will they hear if we not speak? And so it's both in all of that. And here's what's going on. They are a sounding forth people. They are imitating Paul, Silas, and Timothy in that. And again, we'll, we'll see more of that in chapter two as we get there. They're a sounding forth people. They're also a faith going forth people. See that in the text, your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Well, how so? How has it gone forth? Uh, three things here. They're, as word of God receivers. What are people talking about? Look at verse nine. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had among you. That's what people are saying. Uh, okay, but now, we, we think reception, we think hospitality. We can all think on this that it's saying that, hey, so they were really hospitable people. So when Paul, Silas, and Timothy came, they took care of them overnight. They, they put them in the fair field <laughs> overnight. They, they really did well. They took, loved on them overnight. No, 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 it's not talking about that. It's talking about we came to bring the word of God and they report of how you received that. You received it like crazy cool. God showed up. And you are a people that are a word of God receivers. By the way, they were not only a word of God receivers in the beginning, but they continued to be that. Secondly, they were turning to God's servers. The text, you turn to God from idols to serve. Man, there's a whole sermon there. You turn to God from idols you turn to God and from idols. Hey, it's not the turning to God and and being about Jesus but still doing your own thing. No, 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 it's not about that. It's not turning to the Lord and being about part of your thing. No, 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 it's not about that. It's turning to the Lord and turning from all the shiny objects of life that call out for us to worship it. All worship to the Lord in all of it. And that's what they were, turning from to God, from idols, to serve, to serve God. No longer serving my life, no longer about me, but to serve the Lord. There are faith-going forth people that looks like word of being word of God receivers, turning to God's servers, and lastly, Lord Jesus Christ waiters. Lord Jesus Christ waiters, verse 10, to wait for his son from heaven. So cool. By the way, they were not waiting for their life to get better. I want to say that, Americans. They were not waiting for their life to get better. They were not waiting for Jesus to make their life more the American dream that they hope. That's not what it's about. That's not who they were in this. They were waiting, not for their life circumstances to get better, not to be delivered from their present pains. They were waiting for the Lord. And they were waiting for the Lord not only to deliver them from this present darkness, but to deliver them especially from the coming wrath. So are you saying that God is a God of wrath? But I thought he was a God of love. Yes, yes. When it comes to sin, 
Yes, he is a God of wrath, but he does love you. And there is going to be a time where we are going to have to give an account. And they are looking forward to the day when Christ comes. Because it doesn't put them in a state of fear. And I don't say what I just said to cause you to go, oh man, now I gotta be nervous all the time, everything that I do, because God's gonna throw his wrath out on me. No, 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 listen, know this. Earlier in the text, it it says, for you are loved by God, chosen by God. That is to be an encouragement. Know this. If you have heard and you have received Christ as your savior and you are becoming, know this. He is coming And when he comes, that'll be a wonderful day. Be reassured, friends. This is not all there is. Do not put your hope in all this world because I'm telling you, you're gonna have a disappointing life. And their hope was in Christ and Christ alone. And the cool thing is, is all the other believers all around the entire territory are looking back and thinking of the church in Thessalonica and are encouraged by what they are doing. Oh, I want more of that in us. Great teams are great imitators of great examples. And great teams that are great imitators of great examples eventually become great examples themselves for others to imitate. There's a cycle. We could summarize that up in what we say around here. We want to raise disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's what's going on, and Team Thessalonica was doing that. They were simply a church that received the word, even in severe affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They received the word, and they became. They became imitators of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and Jesus. As a result of that, they became examples. That's it that's it that's all we need to do (laughs) but that's tough isn't it but let's go for it let's pray let me if I may just kind of take a little time here just talk to you heads bowed harvest thank you mentioned it earlier that I just know as leadership here we are so grateful for you you have no idea how we talk about you and I want you to know we talk about you well we're just in Davenport and people are asking how it's going and (laughs) it's easy to talk about you because of what the Lord's doing. Thank you. Thank the Lord for that. More of that in us. Right? More of that? Let's keep pressing ahead. I just also maybe in this... um, Every team member matters on a team every team member. If this is your church home, you are an important part of this team. And um, maybe right now it's a season of life where uh, it's been maybe some 
sitting on the sidelines if that's the case and I just want to lovingly call maybe it's time if that's you to, to move to action if I could say it in this series it's, if, uh, if it's been a time of unserving it's time to serve it's time to uh, go pick up an oar step into the boat with a team and let's row together we need you and um, if you're not sure where that might be if I could say it this way come grab a coach come grab one of the coaches here tell him you'd like to uh, start rowing you're not quite sure where well we'd love to put you somewhere with some others who even if you're not sure what it looks like to serve in an area you just imitate just imitate thank you church and Lord we thank you We thank you for being a God that is so gracious and kind and loving and powerful and at work. It's really a cool thing, God, when we see people like Paul, Silas, and Timothy who are kind of, if you will, through their pen, they are kind of cheering and clapping for God's people in Thessalonica. They're just thrilled to their soul for what they see God doing in those people. They just feel blessed and honored and motivated to continue on in what they're doing because of what God's people are doing in Thessalonica. And and it's really actually quite a simple thing that they're doing. They're simply receiving the word and becoming. That's it. And yet they are doing it together. There is power in together. And they are doing that. They are being that. And, and oh God, I thank you. Oh my word. I know just speaking for all of us as pastors and elders here, we are so blessed with these people on this team. They just bring tears to our eyes of joy. They are worth the continuing, enduring work. They are just awesome people, God. I pray for more. I pray for more hearing in us. I pray for more receiving in us. I pray for more becoming in us. Together, as a people, who within our community and even beyond God would be a people that is not looking for our own fanfare, but is looking for the glory of God to be named in the people of God. People would be even going, there's something happening over there with those people. They're not normal people. Those are some abnormal people over there at Harvest Indy West. In fact, they're so abnormal, I love it. And I want to be like that. Great players are great imitators of great examples. More in us, Lord. More in us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.